it is uh, really a blessing for me to have uh, this church here in New York City and uh, to feel such a tie to it, uh, having spent actually years here and getting to know people, and, and uh, I just love what I see here. Uh, it's so good to see a strong church in the city uh, where there just are not many to be found, and then to have uh, personal relationships and go back so long with uh, both uh, Preacher and uh, with Julia as well. Uh, it, it really means a lot to me, and so I enjoy being here greatly, and it, it's, it's just it's fantastic. So anyway, but th- that's neither here nor there. But uh, I do want to thank you for your faithful support uh, through the years and uh, for the blessing that you've really been to me uh, and to the work in, in Russia. So uh, I may not have said that this morning, which would be a major oversight, but uh, please let's open in our Bible to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 8, Jeremiah chapter 8, and uh, I was just realizing this this afternoon as I was looking again at at, uh, this scripture and, uh, of course, what I was planning to uh, preach on, uh, but I realized that uh, the, the prophetic part of the scripture, I just took the part of the Bible that is called prophecy, uh, beginning with the book of Isaiah and ending at the end of the Old Testament. And uh, I I just compared it with, for some reason, uh, with the the first five books of the Bible, the the law. And I was surprised, uh, I should know my Bible better than this, I guess, but they almost have the same number of pages. That's to say the the, the, the law of God, you take the first five books and it's 260-some pages, and you take uh, the, uh, the books of the prophets and take them all together, and it's almost the same number of pages. And, uh, of course, that may just be coincidence, but really, if you think about it, uh, there would have been really no need for most of the prophetical books if the people had just listened to the first five books and done what they said. Really, most of the... There are are parts of prophecy that we understand uh, that are are prophetical in the the ordinary way that we think of prophecy. That's to say, speaking about the future. But an awful lot of it, and including the parts that we're going to look at, the few verses we'll look at here uh, tonight, are really not... Speaking about the future, uh, particularly, they're, they're speaking about the present. And they're talking about the sins of, of uh, Israel. They're talking about the sins of the, uh, of the Jewish people at this point. And uh, really, none of that would have been necessary. None of the call to repentance would have been necessary if they hadn't gone away from God. There's the word return is used. They, they, you, would, you don't have to return if you never left. But they'd left, and they had to be called to come back. And, uh, of course, there's God's wisdom in, in showing us his patience with people, his patience with us, as he didn't just call once. Uh, Jeremiah was not the first prophet, nor he was, was he the last uh, to, that God sent to Israel. God sent, he, he sent them rising up early and, and sending them, and, and he sent them one by one. That shows the patience of God. But it was really, from the very beginning and from the law of God, it was all about listening. 
I mean, really listening and, and understanding. And had the, had the people simply listened to what God said in the beginning, in the law, then they would have been blessed and they, they wouldn't have been in exile like they were at this time. And so, uh, or about to be. And, and so, uh, I, I thought that was interesting and, and it, because it really is all about listening in the Christian life. An awful lot of it is just about really listening so as to do. And uh, what I wanted to read for with you tonight and uh, direct us to this part of the scripture here in Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse 6, and I'll read through verse 9, uh, is again God calling Israel to just, just listen to him. They'd already heard this message. There was nothing new here. But I think the, the way that God speaks to his people at this point and the, 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 uh, what he what he uh, rebukes them for is something that we need to hear as well. Uh, and I think we'll see this in, in uh, verse 7 as we, as we read through those, uh, these verses, beginning at verse 6. I hearkened and heard, but they spake not aright. So God is listening from heaven, and no one is speaking aright. No man repented him of his wickedness saying, What have I done? Everyone turned to his course as the horse rusheth into the battle. Yea, the stork in the heaven knoweth her appointed times, and the turtle and the crane and the swallow observe the time of their coming. But my people know not the judgment of the Lord. How do ye say we are wise, and the law of the Lord is with us? Lo, certainly in vain made he it, the pen of the scribes is in vain. The wise men are ashamed. They are dismayed and taken. Lo, they have rejected the word of the Lord, and what wisdom is in them. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you tonight for your word. And Lord, we thank you for the fact that through the word of God, we can be wise about our own times. And only through the word of God can be wise about our own times. We just pray, Lord, I pray tonight that you would help us to understand our times a little bit better. Would you help us to open our eyes to, uh, to what is around us, knowing that to understand it, to decipher it, we're going to need to listen to your word. And then we have the great key to understanding our times and to being who we ought to be and doing what we ought to do in the times that we live in. Help us, Lord, we pray tonight to see more clearly your will for us at this time that we might be wise in the word of God and be blessed in our deed and give glory to your name. Father, we ask these things and pray them in Jesus' name. Amen. As God rebukes Israel here in verse 7, he has an interesting way of doing it. Of course, if you send prophets generation by generation and year after year, uh, there's going to be a variety of messages. And, and uh, as the Lord reasons with men, the Lord says, come and let us reason together. And that means he's going to speak in different ways, just trying to get people to listen to him. And one of the ways that he speaks in, in, in that part that we read and in verse 7 is uh, he compares the people or contrasts really uh, his people with the birds, 
who migrate. All of these uh, birds here are birds that migrate. That's to say they spend part of the year in one place and they spend sometimes an awfully long period of time uh, it, just getting from one place to another, to another place. And none of them are late. The uh, stork in the heaven knoweth her appointed times. They, they, they uh, migrate at, uh, at appointed times. I remember in Cleveland, and I, you may have some birds here that, that you know the pattern of, but in Cleveland we had Canadian geese uh, that were, uh, I don't know where they were the rest of the year, but if I'm not mistaken, it was in September or something like that. And just the, all of a sudden you'd hear these honking geese and just the sky was full of them. And I guess it would probably be, it must have not been in September because they wouldn't be heading north. They'd probably be heading south. So it shows you how long it's, I haven't been in Ohio in a long time. Uh, and, but in any case, they, they knew what they were doing. And there was a reason. They had, they had, a, they had a plan. And, and they knew when to leave. And they knew uh, when they would arrive. And, and then they would leave from the south or leave from the north at the appointed times. Even they knew their times. And uh, I, I think it's interesting. I, I did a little bit of a look at, at, uh, at these birds, and I, I'm going to digress a little bit here, but I think it helps us to, uh, to just appreciate uh, what God has done in nature, right? We, we're really talking about what God wants to do among people, but in nature it's, it's rather amazing, like you take the stork. And uh, the, the stork is a very strange bird. They're, they're really big birds, they have a very big body, and they have very thin legs, and they have a big bill. If I, I think, am I getting a stork right? Yeah, something like that. Anyway, looks like it was built by a committee, right? And and somebody said, uh, I want I want thin legs, right? And then the other they said, I let's get a big body, and I, we want a bill. So and but of course it wasn't. It was built by the Lord. It wasn't built by a committee. This was God's design. But these amazing big birds. I mean. Uh, they, uh, they migrate as big as they are in this big clumsy kind of way. <laughs> I don't know. I've not been around storks when they migrate, but uh, it, it's rather amazing. They only mi- they're so heavy that they have to have uh, air, hot air, that helps lift them. And uh, they, you know, they get that strange body going and the wings are flapping and, and all of that mass, it's like lifting one of those constellation air freighters off the ground. Somehow they get all of that up in the air, but they need the wind, hot air, to, to help them to do it. So they can only migrate over land or over area, bodies of water that are very narrow. So they, apparently they go from Africa to Spain and all of this. And I'm not going to give you lots of details because I wore you out with information this morning. And you're going to think, all this guy does is give us information. What do you just preach? Okay, I will. But it's, it's rather amazing. These big they're, they're traveling. Uh, I mean, even they're migrating. And they know where they're going. And they know, uh, they know when they're going to get there. And they're never late. Because God just put that instinct in their minds. And uh, we say bird brains, but they're pretty smart. I don't, I mean, I have trouble getting from one room to another sometimes. We're getting a little bit bigger building. I don't know which part of the building I'm in. But these birds can navigate because God simply made them that way and, and put that all in their, in their nature. Or take the swallow who's mentioned here. They're just little birds. 
but some of them will go 8,000 miles in a single year, just one way. And they, uh, they, they go all the way. One, there's one bird that goes all the way from Norway down to Argentina, the Falkland Islands, if you can imagine that. I mean, that's, now that's a trip. And uh, there's these little tiny birds. So from the big birds to the small birds, well, all of these birds are doing this, and they know their times, their appointed times. No one has to tell them because God put it in their minds by instinct. They just know. And the birds that go from Norway to, to Argentina, they don't do what the ones that go from Alaska down to New Zealand do. But with people, it's different. God has their times, too. But we've got to listen to God to catch it. You know, man was made in God's image. We can think, and we can plan, and we can make choices that... uh, Birds, I don't think they choose the time. It's not that they get out the maps and go on Google and do a Bing search and decide the best time. Uh, they uh, Simply, God has taught them. But people who are made in the image of God, we've got to listen to God. We've got to hear him. If we're going to be where we want to, where God wants us to be and when God wants us to be there. And so if we want to think the purest thoughts and if we want to make the wisest plans and if we want to make the best choices, it's not going to be by instinct. Because whatever instinct we had, by the way, it kind of got corrupted, didn't it, when we fell, when man fell. So you better not go by instinct, by what feels right, or you'll get it wrong. What we've got to do is we've got to listen to God because we're made in his image. And that means we've got the word of God to hear from him. The problem with Israel, the problem with the the Jewish people at this point is they weren't listening. Jeremiah wasn't the first prophet, nor was he the last. But what God was telling them patiently and over and over with rebuke and with love and with every assurance and with every call to repentance was exactly what they needed to do to get back on track and to get into the place of blessing and to remain in the land and to prosper. But they wouldn't listen. You see, it's it's really all about listening. It's about listening to what God has to say so that we can know the times that we live in. And we're really the same ourselves. We need the word of God to understand our times. If we don't understand the word of God, if we don't open the word of God and listen to what he's saying, we'll miss what's going on around us. I understand, if I'm not mistaken, in one week here in New York, uh, you had, is this right, You, you had an earthquake and you had a hurricane. Is that right? Anybody listening to what the message of that is? Anybody heeding the signs of the times, right? On that, I, I, I happen to notice um, <clears throat> that uh, the, uh, the administration or whoever 
does these things. Uh, last Sunday, uh, they were going, last Sunday at 11 o'clock in Washington, D.C., they were going to dedicate a monument to, I think, Martin Luther King. And <clears throat> why, why do you dedicate a monument at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning? I mean, there was a time when people were in church at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. You see, I don't think they know the time. Somebody's forgotten the times. I mean, God didn't tell us a lot, but, it, I mean, we all understand uh, that Sunday morning is one of those times that people ought to be in the house of God. They ought to be worshiping. If you want to dedicate a monument, do it in the afternoon. You got all Saturday. Tie up some traffic. Do it on Friday. I mean, imagine, right? Why just, why, why dishonor God in this way, you see? And, uh, I mean, we just have to understand that, uh, that uh, you know, that God is dealing with us because we don't even, we've even forgotten the times that we used to know. We look around and we, we see what's happening in the world, we see what's happening in Libya, and, uh, and uh, it says, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And that word nation, it's really, I think if you break it down, it's really tribes. Right? There's kingdoms or, or nations, like we think of nations. And then, uh, or, or kingdoms or king, uh, st- nations, like we think of nations, uh, countries. And, and nations are really tribes. And that whole situation in Libya, it's tribal. It's, it's one group of, it's one tribe in the east and one tribe in the west. And the tribe from the west, if I'm, if I'm going to get this right, had, had uh, conquered the tribe in the east, which is how Gaddafi came to power. But now the tribe in the east, with the help of Europe, is now going to come and, and get some vengeance on the tribe and the way. It's tribe, it's, it's nation against nation, meaning tribe against tribe. Well, the Lord said that toward, well, in the tribulation period, that it would be exactly that. And as we get closer to that time, as we, uh, as we approach that time, uh, that, that we start to see these warning signs that remind us of what one day will be. You look at the financial markets, which is certainly to the point here in, here in this city. And we're, we're, we're living in a, in a global economy these days. And uh, from the slides this morning, if you were here, uh, I mean, I'm seeing that. It's an amazing thing. How, how do you build these malls? I mean, the, the average income in, in, in Novosibirsk region is, is a few hundred dollars. A month. Who, who's, who's going there? And and uh, let me let me get that. Let me. I'm probably exaggerating. Let me think here. I think we decided that it was going to be like twenty-four thousand rubles. Let's say a thousand dollars a month, and that's being optimistic. That's being optimistic. Who's going to go into that mall and buy all those shoes? I know w- <laughs> women have an amazing ability to buy shoes, but uh, and. Uh, but, but really, who, what is that? 
Well, what that is, it's, it's the money that isn't being invested in America is going over there. That's exactly what that is. And it's just going over there, if I can put it this way, as the horse rushes into battle. There was a time when, when people would say, oh, Russia, that's a risky market, right? We, we don't know, right? Or Brazil is another uh, market that's going through the same process, that just all of this money is just piling in. And that's money that isn't piling into jobs in the United States, and I'm not here to talk about politics, but, but this is what's going on. And nobody's thinking about the risks. Nobody's thinking. It's just, it, I mean, it's just, it's totally changed from what it was just a few years ago. It's just, it, it's going, it's, it's heading forward like, like, a, like a horse into the battle. Nobody's listening to what's really going on with God. Of course, the titans of industry and the people on Wall Street and the people on the, the 64th floor living in the penthouses, they don't have any thought about God. They're thinking, well, you know, Brazil's looking good. Well, what about, you know, the, what about the Africa, right, the emerging, emerging markets? And that's all they're thinking of, and not, not taking any measure of the risks involved or the costs or the effects. It's just, it's where we're going. And it's, it's amazing to me, uh, just from my, from my perspective uh, in Russia, remembering where things were uh, 15 years ago or even 10 or even 9, 8, and seeing where they are now. It's, it's just all going forward to where God says it's going, which is a one-world economic system, central control, credit cards, chips, and authority to control who buys and sells. It's, it's really rather amazing, the time that we're living in. The Bible tells us where it's all going as well. He, he, the Lord tells us the end of the story. And uh, let's look at Second Peter chapter 3. We have this book, we have the Bible, to tell us what's happening, to give us the key, and to see whether there's earthquakes in diverse places. Uh, there's... Uh, <clears throat> there's nation rising against nation and kingdom against kingdom. We're seeing all around us the signs of the times. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse, uh, verse 7, the Lord tells us finally where it's all going. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Finally, it's all going to end in fire. It's going to have a fiery end. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. And, of course, we know that uh, based on uh, the genealogies in the Bible, that... Uh, and the timeline that we can establish through that, uh, those genealogies, that the earth has been in existence for six, almost 6,000 years. And we're just waiting for that 7,000, which is going to be the Lord's rest in his kingdom. And we're getting awfully close if you just do the mathematics on that. 
and you add up how many generations to Christ and how many years from Christ to our day, that's another 2,000, and we're getting close. And what is God doing through this time? As he's promised that all will come to a fiery end, the Lord is not slack, verse 9, concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's our times. God's just tarrying so that people can be saved, so that people can hear. And as that time has approached and we're seeing just amazing things going on, I spoke about one amazing thing this morning, which is what, uh, what we saw when the Iron Curtain came down. And countries that formerly were closed... Uh, that were uh, that God had been forced out of those places, and it was criminal to have a Bible, and you uh, you would be in danger for praying. Uh, you would you could not get higher education. You would be uh, uh, you would be uh, shunned in every way, and even sent away to prison for simply believing in God or voicing the least of it or meeting with the church. All of that ended. And it kind of ended with a thud. It ended with, uh, with a whimper because God had, uh, God, had, God had brought the end about. And uh, because of that, people that would never have heard, I mean, I just think of the generations. I mean, when you talk to older people and you just, uh, and they're saying, well, what about my parents? And what about my grandparents? They didn't really have the opportunity. They didn't have the opportunity. But now their generation and their children's generation, they do. Because that's the time we live in. And we look around and we see these revolutions in the Arab world and, and all kinds of walls coming down and all kinds of things changing. And we realize maybe that's the next great door to open. Maybe that's going to be... Uh, another people that uh, would be, it still, it would not seem obvious, but who would have said it was obvious that in, that, uh, in Russia and the Soviet Union uh, that people could preach the gospel and meet in churches and have a Bible? Nobody would have said that. But you see, the time was coming, and as the, as the, as the day approaches, God is not willing that any should perish, uh, but that all should come to repentance. That's our time. And it's important that we understand the time that we live in uh, because every nation has its story, right? We talked about Russia's story that I, that I, uh, I can tell you about that as an eyewitness, I, 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 uh, the things that I've seen and the things I've tried to understand, but, but every place has a story. Uh, Peter and I, I think, Lord willing, we're going to go to a Bosnian restaurant and have something called a Berek whatever a Berek is. Uh, maybe there's someone here that's Bosnian. I don't know. But uh, I don't know anything about Bosnia, but I guarantee you there's another story there. And I bet it's not very simple either. I think it's, it's a Muslim country, and it, uh, that, that's about all that I know. And it's, it's gone through wars and changes and everything else. But, you know, those, those nations, those boundaries, uh, God has something to do with, with those. I think of Acts chapter 17, verse 26. 
maybe we ought to uh, turn there. Let's just turn there. Acts chapter 17 and verse 26. And this is Paul preaching, and he's just explaining God's ways to people that were worshiping the unknown God. They, they didn't even know who to worship. They had all kinds of idols. They had all kinds, but they, they, they knew maybe there was, there was somebody else. But Paul, of course, had come to declare to them the one and true God. That he's not worshipped, verse 25, with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. That's rather amazing, isn't it? That, that somehow the Lord not only knew but somehow was involved in, in determining both the times of it all and, and the bounds of the nations. That, that we're still, uh, we live in one nation, we hear of the fate of different nations as they rise up and they fall, and, uh, and uh, the, the turbulence that we see in the world, God marks those things. And he sees those nations, and he sees them divided, and he sees where those boundary lines fall and where those rivers, those natural boundaries were laid and, and uh, where the language changes across, across the river uh, and the culture changes. All of those nations God has marked. And I don't believe God is a respecter of persons. I don't believe God loves Americans more than he loves Russians or more than he loves Libyans. And there's an appointed time, and God sees the boundaries, and he has a way of erasing some of them right before our eyes. And we need to understand that what God said when he, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, that's going to have some kind of an expression. And don't be surprised if some walls fall and some iron curtains drop and, and disappear from the earth. And, uh, and the wall in Berlin comes down. Don't be surprised. We're seeing other things that we don't understand. And, and maybe that will open the door for the gospel. We hope that it will. We pray that it will. But it's certainly a time when God is going to keep his word, not willing that any should perish, but all, that all should come to repentance. We need to understand that's the kind of time. We're, we're, we're getting to the end where you take a 20 or 30 year mortgage and you might not pay it you may not pay it off i'm not saying don't buy an apartment don't buy a house who can, can anybody anybody buy a house i don't know anyway i think franz mentioned but anyway where's franz uh, but uh, you just might because 30 years push this thing out 30 years my goodness what in the world i mean just think of what we've seen in the last in the last year as we look across the world well, God sees all that, and he marks the boundaries, and he knows the times, and he, he, he makes us wise about the times, maybe not the exact day and the hour, because nobody knows that, and only fools try to predict and are embarrassed, and some of them are repeat offenders, and they'll just get embarrassed every few years, and they, they won't even get, 
It doesn't even, I mean, they're so shameless, they'll just come back and try to sell some more books and get some more press. But nobody knows, but, but we can see the direction of it. We can see the times. We've got the book. We've got the truth, the Word of God. And, and we need to understand that, uh, that it requires something of us now. Uh, preacher was talking and it, uh, saying good things about the church, in, in, uh, about you all, in, in uh, your giving for missions. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, the, the Lord laid all of this burden of the world. He put the whole world on 11 shoulders. Isn't that amazing? Took 11 fishermen, and, and uh, I think one of them was a, uh, was a publican, and, and who was what, uh, but, but it, was, it, was, it was just 11. And they weren't college professors, and, and they weren't uh, management consultant professionals, and they, they, they were just ordinary people. And he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. He said, you, you go. The amazing thing is they did. If not they, if not they directly, then through others who then went farther and farther and farther. You know, the church has big shoulders. If you can put the whole world on it. And I'm talking about the local church, by the way. I'm not talking about anything, any kind of other thing that doesn't exist. I'm talking about this church that exists. Right? We're not talking about some abstract, the universal church and all of this. No, I'm talking about, I'm a guest, I'm a visitor, I'm, I'm a member of another church, but I'm talking about you all. And the Lord put the whole thing on you and on other churches like you. And uh, so a guy like me and a lot of guys like me and a lot of families uh, that, uh, that, that God has called to go to different places my church in, in Cleveland, uh, it, it's not going to support, it's really hard for one church to support uh, even one or a, a, a couple of missionaries, the, the full support. It, it, takes, it takes a number of churches. But you put a number of churches that have the same vision and they, and they get the program and they understand the times and they understand the judgment of God and they understand where, where we're living and, and uh, they can see the signs and... Uh, and and they say we're gonna we're all in this together, and and we're gonna send these missionaries where they need to go. And it works, an amazing program with no hierarchy, no no popes, no bishops, no uh, no offices, any place, no nothing. It just works. And you've got missionaries throughout the world. I saw your prayer sheet. That's a long list, and it's a good list. And I think the reason you've got a list like that, and the reason it's not short, and the reason you're faithful, and the reason you're able to take on more with time, is that you have understood the times. And, and you have understood what, what this period of time is about. It's really about doors opening, and it's about uh, walls coming down, and it's about opportunities that, that we just don't want to miss because the world's on our shoulders. But we've got big shoulders. 
We really do. Or, or, I mean, the Lord knows what he's doing. He looked at those 11 fishermen. He said, you, you go and do this. And he knew he was going to give them power at the, on the day of Pentecost. And, and uh, they would have what they needed to begin and to continue and to continue and to continue. It's a great plan. It's God's plan. And, and you all are part of it. And by, by you, you're taking your place responsibly and generously and fully and more fully as your faith grows and, and continues to grow, uh, you, you're, just, you're just fulfilling God's plan. You've got the word. You see where it's going. You see what God's heart and his interest is, and it's your heart and your interest too. That's just, that's just the way it ought to be. You know, it's a big world, and God wants all of it to hear. And I think it's good that when God looks down from heaven, I think, I think he, he can say, well, they get it. They get it. He, had, he looked down at Israel, and he saw his people, and they had the law, but they, even the law that they had, they said, oh, we have the law, but they, they were changing it. They, they, were, they, were, they were commentarying it. And the commentaries were, were getting so heavy that, that nobody even looked at the law anymore. So what was good was the law. The law was enough if they would just obey it. You see, we don't, we don't need great amounts of commentary. We just need to take what we've got here in the Word of God and to understand our times because it's all about listening. And it's about seeing what's going on. And we can see and we can understand it because God has made it known to us. And I think there's one other thing that, that we can do if we see our times and we understand uh, the times that we live in. And, and that is simply to put our lives on the altar to God. Just put, put ourselves on the altar for whatever God's purposes are right now. We, we've got a part in that. There, there's a whole lot of different parts to have and there's a whole lot of different roles to play. But we need to put ourselves fully before God and give God the opportunity to, to direct us and that we would be willing even to, let's say, to go. Right? It's great to stay and it's, it's, it's wonderful to serve in, in, in your local church here and to reach your, your, your city, your, uh, your part of the city. That's a wonderful thing and that's a worthy service and that's just as much a mission field as any place on the face of the earth. But we really ought to be ready if God wants us somewhere else or if God wants us, in, if God wants us to go further. That, that we're willing to do what God wants us to do. I think that goes with knowing the times as well. I mean, what, what better place to be than where, than where God wants you to be in these troublous days that we see, when all of this in nation against nation and earthquakes in diverse places and hurricanes and earthquakes in one week and the earth hurtling to some kind of big global, uh, global economic who-knows-what, and they're not even asking the questions to know. They're so smart they can't even model it. They just throw money into it and hope that it all produces 11% annually. It's, 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 it's an amazing scene. It really is. It's just flying out of the... It's out of, out of control, in fact. But God knows where it's going. 
And we know where it's going because we've read the book and we've seen the end of it. And we ought to be, what I mean, the best thing in the world is to be exactly where God wants us to be in these days like this. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the times we live in. God's not slack. The, the end that he, uh, that he declared, it, it will be fulfilled, and it, and it, will, it will end in the fiery end that, it, that God says, but not before some other things will unfold. And this period of grace that we live in, when anybody can walk in that back door and, uh, and hear the gospel and, and simply come to Jesus and be saved, that's a wonderful thing. Help us. Uh, may the Lord help us to understand our times and to give ourselves to what God wants right here and now. I think we know what it is. We've got the book before us and we've seen. We don't want to be like, uh, like Israel in those days where the birds knew when to fly and they knew when to return and they understood the times, but the people wouldn't listen. May the Lord give us ears to hear and may the Lord give us hearts to obey and to surrender ourselves to do his will that all might be saved and have the opportunity at least to hear uh, before God brings all things to a conclusion. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you, Father, for the, uh, the wonderful truth of the word of God. We thank you, Father, for the amazing fact that you lay on uh, the shoulders of churches like this one all across the country, all across the world, the great task of reaching the rest of the world. And, Lord, you haven't, you, you haven't overestimated the strength. You haven't, you haven't exaggerated uh, what, the, what the church can do when it simply sees what's coming, when it understands the times, because it's read your word and it's heard and it's believed and it wants to be obedient. Father, I pray that you would bless this church as it continues to faithfully serve you. Lord, may you bless it as it gives out the word of God here. May many come through those back doors as they did this morning. That's so encouraging. And Lord, may they, uh, may they come to rest their faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, may you bless the church in its missions out outreach that it might grow as we simply join together in, in the great task of reaching uh, so great a world. Lord, may you honor, help us to honor you in giving our lives to you and putting ourselves in surrender before you, willing to go or willing to stay. Whatever your will is, Lord, may it be, may it be done in our lives and may it be done here tonight. And, Lord, we'll thank you for it and we'll praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.